When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 184. Today's episode is all about the four elements of your personality. As soon as I found the elements, I was like, duh, this is ancient. This is timeless. Like in the tarot deck, it starts off, the first card is the fool, zero card. You jump on this planet and you're an idiot to come here. I, I always think that's funny. The first card is the fool. The second card is the high priestess where you stop and go, uh-oh, we better go in and figure out what our contract was. And the third card is the magician who has all four elements sitting on the table because you can't do anything here to enter this reality until you figure out the four elements. I mean, to get mastery, I should say. You could do anything, but if you want to get masterful, you want to cultivate those four elements. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. Hello, love. If you haven't subscribed yet, don't forget to hit that little button. Subscribing, sharing, and five-star reviews are the best way to give back if you find the show helpful. They help the show grow, which helps me get even better guests. Today, I want to read a review from Australia from Tiger86, who says, This podcast has been so amazing for me on so many varying levels. It touched on so many different aspects of life, and I'm certain each and everyone's unique journey. She not only shows you what's possible, irrespective of what you've had to endure, but also gives varying insights and different perspectives, all while feeling like she's personally validating your personal thoughts and inner turmoil. You're beautiful and you got this. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Tiger, if that is your real name, for this lovely review. It was my birthday weekend when I read it, and it totally lit me up. So now, on to the show. It's taken thousands of years, but Western science is finally catching up to traditional and indigenous knowledge. Do you want to know a really cool example of this? So we've known for quite a while that animals use tools in their daily lives. Chimps use sticks to fish for termites. Sea otters break open shellfish on rocks. Dolphins will carry marine sponges on their beaks to protect them when they stir up the ocean floor looking for prey. And here is the coolest example, though. We've recently discovered that falcons will carry burning sticks to spread fire. Why would they want to spread fire? Well, because fire causes insects and rodents to flee, which increases the falcon's opportunity to feed. Fascinating, right? Well, this might be new information to us, but Australian indigenous people like the Alawa and Malak Malak tribes have known this for maybe thousands of years. There's actually a lot that traditional and indigenous knowledge can teach us that science is only now catching up to. For example, women in many indigenous tribes have worked in tune with their menstrual cycles for hundreds of years, which here in the West is just now something that's becoming a kind of trendy productivity hack. Traditional knowledge can teach us the medicinal properties of plants, which is something that's almost been covered up because Big Pharma doesn't want you to realize that there are cheap, free, and natural ways to take care of your health. But that's a whole nother episode. And there's another thing that our elders understood, which is the topic of this episode, and it's the power of the four elements. You already know the four elements, earth, water, air, and fire. But what you may not know is how they relate to your personality, and more importantly, your pain. These four elements make up every person, but for most of us, maybe even all of us, there's one element that is our weakest point. And this is what our guest today calls the missing element or the observer, which is the part of you that can stand outside of judgment and see yourself with a more wise and compassionate approach, much like our elders did. Understanding the observer is critical to our own self-awareness. It's what allows us to move beyond our personal drama to find our real purpose in the world, a world that needs our service now more than ever. So now the question is, how do we find our own missing element? Well, that's what we're talking about today. And our guest is Deborah Silverman. She not only has a master's degree in clinical psychology, she's also a highly acclaimed astrologer. 
She's developed a unique psychological spiritual model, which is combining her expertise in esoteric or soul-centered astrology with her extensive education in psychology to help people who are going through major life changes. And over the past 40 years, she's specialized in helping thousands of people achieve emotional health and wisdom based on their unique personality and the four elements, water, air, earth, and fire. So three key things we will learn are how the four elements relate to us and why it's important we understand them, how to identify which element we're missing and how to bring it back into balance, and how to discern between your ego and the wise observer. And now let's welcome Deborah Silverman to the show. Welcome to the show, Melissa. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been going through your book and I just love the concept of how the four elements tie so deeply into our lives and just in ways that I've never really thought of before. So what was the inspiration behind the four elements and how did you make some of these connections? You know, I was trained at a very young age, not unlike you, I had one of those really difficult beginnings. I think it's mean. It's almost like spirit says, we're going to put you through this initiation. We're not even going to tell you a thing. And then when you come up for air, you're going to have a whole bunch of wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) That's not very nice. I wish they would have told me before. Anyways, so I, at a young age, I did find this body of information. It's a very old esoteric body of information about the four elements. And it's been based on the American Indians do the four directions and the Hawaiians and Hula do the four elements and the Buddhists have the four questions, their four principles. Every system is based on four. It's like the foundation to a square. Just think about a box. So everything's solid because of these four. So it came to me through the school of hard knocks. I was in the front row and I learned that if you could just balance your life, it sounds so simple, but it's true with these basic understanding of what part of you is, un I mean, as you know, the name of my book is The Missing Element. So which one's missing of the four, fill it in, and suddenly you have balance. It's so crazy, but it's true. In the early 20s, and we're really suffering, none of them really work at that time because you're bumping around with life, and particularly in your story, there, there was so much hardship, it's hard to get out from under the water. And so usually there's one really strong one that you are easily accessible to. And so in your case, can I use you for an example? Yes, of course. So for you, that would be earth. Like when it comes down down to like practicality and being responsible and grounding, that's going to be the easy access for you. It doesn't mean that you can do it all through your life, but it means you've got the sensibility to say to yourself, I've got to come back to my senses because I've got to take care of myself. I mean, that was certainly your and my story. So earth was there, but there is a circumstantial experience that forces you for, so for example, let's start with water. Let me just give you an overview. Water is the emotional part in all of us that tends to be highly sensitive. It can cry at commercials and gets their feelings hurt. And you have some of this and really can't stand loud noises and doesn't want to be around people and feels like there's just too much stimulus. But in your circumstance, they, they didn't ask you like, hey, Melissa, do you want to be quiet now? <laughs> like there's too much. Forget about it. But anyways, there was water. Water is the part in all of us. Hypersensitive, withdrawn, a bit of a retreated character, introverted and loves music and art and wants to be alone. Air, the next element, is the one that loves to communicate, which you and I have in spades. You're Gemini rising. I am a Gemini. This is the part in all of us that talks and thinks and reads and does podcasts and social media and can't wait to learn and eats the books and puts them under their pillow. And they're scattered. They're called airheads. So where the water's crying, tears running down your eyes is water. Air is like, what's my name again? And where was I going? And you have shades of this, right? Definitely. (laughs) I know it, Yes. (laughs) And then, and then the third category we mentioned earlier is earth, the practical people, the grounded people, the solid ones that pay the rent, that know how to take care of their Excel spreadsheets and do the taxes, and they have Windex, and they clean, and they organize. And these are the people that are a little bit boring to themselves because they're always grounded and practical, but we all rely on them, and they are the stability, and they're the money makers, and they're the ones that keep the schedule. And You know, those earthy, grounded people that can be a stick in the mud, so to speak. And you have a little bit of that, but it's definitely your nature, right? It's interesting because I have always been so spontaneous that I'm like, I don't even relate to being a tourist until I was older. And then I was, I started to realize I'm so much happier when I have routines. It's like I fight against my own routines and my own groundedness. But if I actually get to it, I can feel more peaceful than I felt without it. So I don't know. Maybe it's my past that caused a little bit more resistance to maybe certain things in my nature. 
No, because you know why? Because you're soulful mm. and the rising sign is the soul. So the rising, think about the rising sign as the, you're rising into it, or the, it's also called the ascendant. So your whole life forced you to be soulful. You didn't get a vote. You're, so your Taurus got pushed out because spontaneity was the solution to everything for you. Like, what do I do? But it doesn't mean that you don't have practicality. It doesn't mean it doesn't feel better for you when yes. you finally lose yourself ground. And that's those are the people in the world that just stabilize us. And the last category is fire. And this is the element of joy and fun and loud and playful and a little obnoxious and they drink too much and they eat too much and they spend too much and they turn the music up too loud and they get in trouble. But we want to have all four, like think of it as four wheels on a car. You want to have all four balanced. And then you want to figure out which one of, because of course we have more than one that's natural, but there's usually one that's missing where you go, you know, I'm not that good. And for you, it could have been earth when you were growing up because you couldn't, you know, I'm imagining based on your circumstance, which I bet people know in your audience, it wasn't easy. I do remember my parents divorced when I was an infant. And so we moved with my grandma and then we moved in with my stepdad and then I got new stepbrothers. And so I do think it was hard for me to really feel grounded as a child. Exactly. So it kind of got usurped by your circumstance, which is in your chart. So the short answer is for you guys listening, the book, The Missing Elm, which you can get on my website and I'll send you your chart. Ding. I'll send you your chart and in the book if you order it from me or you can order it from Amazon. And you take this little test and you figure out in the test what is the missing element. And once you know that, you grow it. Honestly, the system is so airtight. And I don't know why more people didn't figure it out. I feel like I got like the secret code when no one was looking when I was little. I found it through that esoteric group that I found so young when I was only in my 20s. But as soon as I found the elements, I was like, duh, this is ancient. This is timeless. Like in the tarot deck, it starts off, the first card is the fool, zero card. You jump on this planet and you're an idiot to come here. I always think that's funny. The first card is the fool. The second card is the high priestess where you stop and go, uh-oh, we better go in and figure out what our contract was. And the third card is the magician who has all four elements sitting on the table because you can't do anything here to enter this reality until you figure out the four elements. I mean, to get mastery, I should say. You could do anything, but if you want to get masterful, you want to cultivate those four elements. So when you were first discovering this, I'm curious to know, what did you find out about yourself? Which element was missing? Well, similar to you, I was missing. I mean, I have earth in my chart, but I also had a very, very difficult beginning and I never felt grounded. I, I felt like an orphan, even though I had a family and it's funny. I always thought I should have been adopted, but I wasn't. I was like, is this, something's not right here. Like nobody even wants to hear what I have to say. I don't think they really like me. That's not true. I'm sure they loved me, but from a young age, I felt ungrounded. And when I discovered the elements, I was like, you can bring me back to my earth, which is stability and consistency and routine. And I figured it out and oh my God, everything changed. So I think that was it. earth was, and then the other one was, I could not cry. Like I had too much trauma and I'd shut down my emotional body and there was consequences in my physical body. I had an ulcer my whole childhood because I was holding it. I couldn't, I don't know. I, there was no one to cry to. So I held it in. So once I learned to ground and that was school helped me a lot because I had to go to, you know, I went to university. And then when I figured out from a therapist that it was okay to cry, that was the revelation and that changed everything. One of the things that you say in your book is that the parts of ourselves that we dislike the most are the doorways to our inner happiness. I have found that, but I'm curious as to your take on that. What's the deeper meaning behind that? Well, it's like I have a lot of fire in my chart, um, which is enthusiasm and excitement and lots of energy. And I was slightly self-conscious about that. Like, am I too much? And am I taking up too much space? And I don't want to interrupt. So I was holding back my whole big part of my life. So that's what I mean. Like the very thing I didn't like about me was the very thing that was my superpower. And once I understood it from astrology and from the elements, I was like, why would I hold back my fire to make myself palatable or acceptable when all I had to do was just stop caring what others thought, which took me a long time to learn. I relate to that so much. The amount of times in my life that I've been told I was too much or you're too hyper. I actually specifically remember in first grade, this other first grader looking at me and saying, you're too hyper. And I'm like, what does your mom say to you? <laughs> Why do you what first grader thinks any other child is too hyper? But it's funny because I 
could never contain it. It was like it had to come out. But then as soon as I was alone, I would be insecure wondering if, oh my gosh, did I say that right? Or, or were people thinking I was, yeah. And so it was always afterwards. And I'm like, why can't I just be less hyper in the moment? (laughs) Yeah. And that's Mars and Gemini and Gemini rising. You do have an extreme, you, you are a passionate human who really does love life. Like you've got a, such, even though you're a bit of a recluse, no one would know that. You've got a private side that wants people to leave you alone. You get excited over like silly things. <laughs> That's true. So when we are realizing that we might be missing one of these elements, what do we do about it? Like, let's start with water. What does it look like when we're having uh, trouble with water? We're missing that water element. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says. (laughs) And it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small. And when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MindLove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MindLove. When we are realizing that we might be missing one of these elements, what do we do about it? Like, let's start with water. What does it look like when we're having uh, trouble with water? We're missing that water element. So this is in the book. So once you take that little test, then there's a chapter for each missing element and it gives you homework. So for some people, honestly, and this, I don't think this is true for you because you have moon in Pisces. Is it easy for you to cry? Yes, there was a couple years right after a few of my traumas that I did not cry, but it was more like I refused because I was trying to be strong. But now in my life, the smallest thing can make me cry. Don't even send me a cat video. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's so cute. So the answer is in the book. For example, if you can't cry, you watch cat videos. No, just kidding. If you can't (laughs) cry, you watch sad films like you practice the, the gift of opening up, because people can cry watching movies. They just can't cry in their life. They've shut down and they froze. Water can turn to ice. So then we say to them, you know what? You've got to melt this. And how do you do it? Either you find someone who's really tender and you, you track them and you let them help you. Because this was one that was really hard for me. I just, it took me so many years. Now I'm really good at crying. Or if you have someone that you're not good at earth, like you just can't ground, you go to their house and you clean with them. Or... You start making lists. Like there's a whole bunch of instructions that come in the chapters that will help figure out how you can figure out, you know, how you can cultivate that missing piece. 
And you talk about what each of these looks like too, such as when you're bumping into depression or mood swings or addiction, like that's when you're learning water. How does something like depression, how does that relate to water? Like, why is that within that element? That's a great, great question. No one's ever asked that. Well, first of all, think of water as tears. So what is depression? Depression is pushing something down, like the word depress. So if your emotion, this is what happened to me for so much of my life. If you're pushing down a feeling and you push it down long enough, one, it takes a lot of energy to repress or depress or hold back. And second of all, that's an emotional experience. You're, you're not being emotionally honest. Now, there's chemical depression that's real. And I have people in my family where it doesn't matter. They need to take those pills. And then there's people that simply aren't telling the truth about their emotional body. They're in the wrong relationship. And they're emotionally withdrawn or they're contracted. And it makes you feel like you're numb. And that's called depression. How have you found people can differentiate between that? Because I'm sure there are plenty of people like me in my past where I thought, no, I'm one of the people with the chemical imbalance. And so I thought I needed medications, whatever medications those were, depression meds, Adderall. And when I did start to find more balance, I'm not on any medication anymore. And so I wonder how many people are actually the chemical imbalanced and how many people are just imbalanced in their life. And is there an easier way or have you found a way to help people identify that? I think because I'm also, I have a master's in clinical psychology, so I know exactly what you're talking about as far as diagnosing. It's the one severe or extreme way to do that is to come off meds with some advice and then work with the four elements and find, this is where in the school, I have a school that twice a year it starts in September and in January, in August, the the, um, launch begins. And we watch in the school, it's six weeks long. And the first class is the elements. It's about astrology, but you start with the elements and people are given homework. And so if you came off your meds leading up to that, and then you got the homework to figure out what's the missing element and you inserted it and you found yourself coming back to life. So for example, you stopped exercising, you stopped making love, you stopped dating, like you left all that behind. That's depressing. And then you can't distinguish between, did I shut down from people or am I depressed? You let yourself re-enter people by doing this, like of such a safe zone. The school is a very easy, I can't tell you, I just was reading these letters today, this morning before I got on here with you. People's lives change once they balance the elements. I, you know, I always feel like a commercial and I don't want to be a commercial, but I feel like a commercial because That's where you can distinguish. Once you reinsert balance, groundedness, stability, enthusiasm, your emotional body shifts. And then you get to see, was this chronic or was it just because I was off center? One of the ways that I've used this without knowing I was using it is I do know when I'm not feeling grounded in a moment. And I do have some tools to help myself do that. And one of the examples was early on in my pregnancy last year, I went to the ER because I started bleeding heavily and I thought I was miscarrying. And the ER doctor basically gave me a bunch of misinformation and told me I was highly likely to miscarry. And then I saw an OBGYN later on and she basically said all the things he told me was wrong. But I remember just being so in my head and feeling like I was losing control and I happened to be in Michigan on a bunch of land and I just went to get grounded and I walked barefoot and I laid on the earth and I just like deep breathed and it was so, so helpful. But I had never really thought of it in the terms of, oh, this might be an element that I'm missing more so in just a moment, if that makes sense. Totally makes sense. It's always the intuition is waiting in the wings. But we get so confused because we have two voices. There's the intuition and then there's the ego. And the ego gets fed by an authority because the ego's an authority. And, the, you know, it's like there's a doctor and she told me or he told me. And then you have to re- reach back to your own intuition and go, wait a minute. And that requires quiet, everything you just described, getting on the ground, going into meditation. We all know who the people are that are the wisdom keepers who listen before they talk and the ones who are just on rote, like telling you what they think is true and getting you in your head. You said it so well. So you can ask yourself The first question I'd ask myself if I was hearing this conversation is, do I trust my relationship with myself? Because if you don't trust, and this is where the elements come in. If I don't trust me, I trust Deborah. took me a long time to say that. I really trust me. It's such a good feeling. Now, I'm in my mid-60s. I'm a little older than you. And and I've really learned at this point. And I'm having a birthday in a little bit here. I'm so excited. It's so much better getting older. I can't even tell you. 
<laughs> I like getting older too. Everyone told me like, I remember watching movies where people were freaked out about their 30s. And when I got into my 30s, I was so excited. Like I had never felt more whole as a human, if that makes sense. And now I'm almost 36. I'll be 36 in a couple of weeks. And I don't know. I'm excited to be approaching 40. I'm like, if the 30s were this good, every year just gets better. I guess only though, if you're on a growth path for most of the people listening to this show, they're on a path where they're seeking ways to better themselves. And I guess not everyone's doing that. And in that case, aging might be kind of scary. You know, it's so funny because you and I have something exactly the same in our chart. It's very unusual. It only happens once a year for a couple days. And it means that you get better as you get older. I mean, everyone that's true of, but for you and me, it's really true that we ate karma at a young age and pigged out. Yeah. <laughs> So when somebody's learning air, it's really hard for them to make decisions and stay in relationships or decide what you want. How does that relate to air? Making decisions as far as air? Mm -hmm. Because think of an airhead. Yeah. They can't remember where they were going and they don't know what they're doing. I have a friend that I know. She's such an airhead. Oh, my God. And she's <laughs> always in dilemma about her relationship. It, it may as well. I, she, she always says, I wasn't like this before. And I'm like, I've known you for five years. And this has been the constant conversation. I really like him and he really doesn't like me. No, he really likes. No, no. He really likes me, but I don't. Well, I'm thinking that I'm like, oh, my God. So making a decision with that voice is not very easy. My husband, thank God, has an okay time staying in a relationship because we've been married quite a while, but he does have a hard time making decisions. And he always talks about that. He's like, well, I'm the scales. And so I'm like always between these two decisions. And he's always having like two tabs open on his internet browser of like the two things he's deciding between. It'll take him a week. <laughs> Good for you. See, that's 100% error. And that's why they're called earheads. And then they have, I always say to those people, you're not going to get it right. So don't feel bad. That's what they suffer from. They want to get the right answer. But then I always say, it doesn't matter. Just nothing matters. Like you just make a decision. And if it's wrong, you course correct 15 seconds later. Let them off the hook. That would be a good thing to tell them. You know what? You can't get it right. And I promise we'll change anything you need. And so those that are learning earth, those are the ones that are either stuck in a job or they're having money and security issues. I was almost thinking that if they have money and security issues, they'd have a harder time keeping a job. But it's actually that they might be more stuck in a job. How is that? You got it. You got it. You're so good. Did you do? You must have read the book. I'm impressed. <laughs> um, if you get stuck, it's think of mud. Think of earth as being a rock or a tree. You can't move a mountain. Mm. So once they commit, they're like kerplunk and I'm done. So the art of earth people is to say, listen, one, you can't complain. If you're someone that goes, I'm always doing the dishes and I'm always paying for everything and I'm always the one that has to be on time and I'm always a designated driver. Yes, you are because you love doing the dishes and you love being the organized one. So stop complaining. So that's a big piece to earth is it's not that they're stuck. It's their converse. Their narrative is often very negative. So if you're one of those people that just everything's slightly wrong because you're a perfectionist and you're always noticing what's wrong. You might want to check your thought process and redo your language system. So now learning fire, this one really intrigues me because this basically means that drama follows you. And that kind of makes sense with like the fiery element. You tend to be probably fiery if you're the fire element. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so how is, does drama relate to fire? I'm sure we all have a visual, but I would love to hear your perspective. What happens when you walk in a room and there's a fire? Everyone stops and stares. What happens when you are watching a movie and there's this actress who's dressed all nines and got the perfect makeup on the perfect hairdo? We're sitting in the, we're all staring at her going, oh my God. Those people that have high level intensity, the fire, the actress, the football player who takes his arm back and throws it perfect. You're like, that's fire. How does somebody perform with such excellence without us all staring at them? So they draw attention, they draw the drama, they they collect your oh, excitement and then they get self-conscious. That's what's so funny about fire. They're like, don't look at me. Like, what are you talking about? You dressed up to the nines and now you're telling <laughs> us not to look at you? I'm so confused. I almost relate to that, but instead I'm like, no, look at me. And then when everyone's done, when, when I go home, then I'm like, people were looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so Taurus. They're shy and they're show-offs. It's very funny. A shy wow. show-off. Somebody that I dated when I was in Texas, I was 22 and he was 33. And he's like, you're the most outgoing, shy person I've ever met. And no one had ever ah. told me that. And he was the only person who's told me that until right now. So that's so cute. That's exactly right. You're outgoing. 
yeah, that's the duality for Taurus. They want to be seen, but they don't want to be seen. And you've got this extreme personality that can talk to anyone, and then you don't want to talk. Well, one of the things that you talk about in your book is that we have two voices that make us human, the ego and the wise observer. So how do we start to differentiate between those two voices? And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero-sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. One of the things that you talk about in your book is that we have two voices that make us human, the ego and the wise observer. So how do we start to differentiate between those two voices? So you have such good questions. No wonder you have a podcast. So <laughs> let's see. The first one is the ego. The ego is seeking constantly approval. It's insecure. It wants attention. And it's me, 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 me. It's all about bring it to me. Tell me how good I am. Tell me I'm pretty. Tell me I've got the like. And the soul or the observer, the higher self is all about giving. And all it wants to do, it, like I always say, the soul is a slut. Like that's <laughs> you and me. Like it wanted every single experience and it didn't care if it was painful or not. That's what you and I did. We were like, yes, we'll take the whole nine yards. And then the observer comes in with hand in hand with the soul and goes, this was a good lesson. How'd you like it? And the ego goes, I hated it. Stupid. Don't do that to me again. And the soul goes, I kind of liked it. I got to see my character. And by the way, people are weird. So the ego goes, not me. I'm not weird. And the soul goes, oh, yes, you are. So there's this ping pong match. It's been going on since the beginning of creation. It's the human condition. We have two parts of us. And once we start to dialogue from the observer's point of view, which is the stand away, this is what my book is about. How do you get out of the ego, stand apart, look back at your distribution of elements in your character and say, oh, I can't stop talking or, oh, I can't start talking or, oh, I'm so practical, I'm boring, or oh, I'm so impractical, I can't pay the rent. When the observer neutrally looks over at you with no judgment, just an honest observation, that's why we call it the observer, there's the freedom. And that begins the liberation. That begins enlightenment. Every time you make a comment where you're like, you have some of this, it's so spot on. I don't think something's ever been <laughs> so spot on before. It's so funny. I did a reading for some famous people recently, you know, that are, I'm just going to say the word friends and you'll know who it was. And that's what they were saying. They're like, how do you know all this? But it's because most astrologers just talk in so much jargon and it bugs me. I'm trying to make it applicable to you and your audience. So astrology becomes palatable so we can eat it. We can chew on it. We can nourish ourselves with the stars. Let's munch on stars. 
<laughs> Delicious. I think it's called Starburst. I uh, was just saying yesterday, because somebody's like, tell me about your skydiving certification. Do you just go all the time now? And I was like, no, literally the moment I got that certification, I never wanted to do it again. And it was more so that I could just collect the experience. And I was like, I've always looked at life like that, just collecting experiences. And then (laughs) I've never said that out loud before. And then you just repeated those words back to me today. So fun. I love when we get it right. So another intriguing thing I found from your work is you talk about the primary properties embodying each element. And so water is feelings. Can you go a little bit deeper into that? It's first of all, the tricky part about that conversation and that question is water's nonverbal. So they don't talk, they feel, and they have an internal alone space that they don't want interrupted. So it's a funny question. What is the property of feelings? It's very, very personal. It's what we do when the doors close. It's what we do when we make love. You can't explain it. So feeling suspends the logical mind and it enters into the world of dreams and the world of intuition and the world of the cat and the dog not being able to talk. And that's all the land of water. And so it's a feeling, but it's so hard to put it into words. I'm sure you understand that. Yeah. And I was looking at it like my feelings at least are, are very fluid, especially from the hormones of pregnancy. One minute I'm one thing and the next minute I'm the next. That's exactly right. <laughs> but it made me think too, whereas with feelings, they're very fluid, but then sometimes people can get stuck in them as with depression. Well, they freeze. They freeze. Oh. Think of water as frozen. Like this is, I have a course called tell me a story that happens every month and it's a, I teach it. It's the only thing that I've continued teaching and you can get on the wait list for it. It's, it's like Christmas, but it's T-M-A-S instead of X-M-A-S, it's T-M-A-S.com and you can go put your name on a wait list. And in that class, it starts with water in the first prompt. I'm not going to tell you, but I will tell you, don't tell anyone, (laughs) is what I left behind. And so we go backwards and we review, what did you, because you can't imagine when water freezes and you leave your childhood wound behind because it was too bad and you don't unpack it, you numb. And even though like for you and I, that trauma of our childhood was so big, you cleaned out the water, you've gotten rid of the dirty water, but so many people, they perpetuate their childhood wound by not talking about it. And then it becomes frozen water and then it becomes depression and then they can't get out from under it and they don't know what it is. Well, I'm a therapist. It's not a surprise that your wound is stuck back there. So that's a really big conversation about how do you unpack the frozen parts? It's like taking out frozen food. How do you, that's funny. How do you make it fresh again? You've got to go take it out, unfreeze it and review. And then there's this liberation that happens when you turn on your observer and go, oh, my soul took that story on. Wow. That was noble. That's what I love about this is just the visuals make so much sense. Like the how air, we talked about air is kind of being an airhead, but that's the imbalanced version of it. But air, you relate to intellect. So what does that look like? Why, why is air intellect other than the imbalanced version of airhead? <laughs> you are such a Gemini rising. You're asking the best questions. So let's say you've just, and tell me a story, we go, and we collect your wound. Then the next step is air and air is now talk about it. It's not okay to leave it unpacked as a big, messy, dirty water puddle. Thank you for opening up and crying and getting you know, sad about it. Now talk to me. Tell me what happened. Give me the narrative. Tell me the whole story. And so air is both thoughts and articulation and verbalization and therapy and writing and journaling. And you have to get, but you can't just journal and put it in a drawer. That's what everybody does. You have to read it out loud and share it with another And then the patterns get released. And that's what happens in Tell Me a Story. And that's what happens. I have a new course starting every Wednesday in June for one hour. I'm teaching a class and you can all join it. It's called meettheplanets.com. And you can join it as soon as you hear this. It's a free platform. Ding. Meettheplanets.com. And I will be teaching you about the 10 planets in that class. It's kind of like Meet the Parents. But this is air. Air is the intellectual appetite that's willing to tell their story and then glean or ask the hard questions like, what was God thinking when she made you? Or what was the life lesson that God had in mind when she was designing you? Like these are the questions that will help take the pain body and turn it into wisdom. So we've talked about earth being practicality and that one makes a lot of sense. That's the groundedness. I can see the visual in that. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you want to add to that? 
Well, then, so then let's follow the, the follow, tell me a story. So then after you got to the water, you unpacked, then air, you started to communicate and study and you learned to meet the planets. You started getting intellectually interested. And then in earth, you were like, now what do I do? This is where the tires hit the ground. And does your soul realize what a warrior you are? Because nobody comes on this planet, that's why I love the tarot deck, without being an idiot. I mean, you were a warrior, crazy person to jump into this experience. Mm-hmm. And that's earth. Like, now what am I going to do? Hands-on, practical, money, job. How am I going to serve my soul based on what my story was, based on the new information I've learned by studying, by reading, by therapy? Now I've got to get this into So then now I want to see, can I be nice to my husband? Can I feed the kids? Can I do the dishes? This is really where earth becomes a delightful exercise in celebrating the practical experience here. And so then fire is the energy. Is that the energy that it takes to then carry out the practical things we've just decided to do? That's when the fun factor starts. Then it's like, da 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 I'm so happy I did this. Look what I did. I took on this stupid life and I became conscious of what I was supposed to learn. And then I applied it and changed it for my kids. And now we can celebrate. Fire is like, you know, the fun factor, have a glass of wine, light up, give yourself permission to go joy, but you can't just do fire if you didn't do the work. You know, you fire's the end of the cycle and that's where the energy comes. Now we're energized. Now life is enthusiastic. Now I'm like, can't wait to wake up in the morning. So when we're talking about a lot of these concepts, it's been about how we regain balance within ourselves. But what I love about your book is you begin it talking about really the imbalances in our planet and how we have to start with ourselves first. And so is this one of those things where we have so many people out there trying to make change in the world, but they haven't yet healed their own imbalances. So they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot. (laughs) That's so funny. Yes. This is really where genuine leadership And I have a company with all women. I have 50 employees and they're all women. We just hired the first man. It's cute. Um, And part of that, I mean, well, it was because I'm liberating. This is really where the tires hit the ground. Like, it's so important to embody this and not talk about it. I mean, it's wonderful to talk about it. You're Gemini rising. I'm Gemini. We're here to give you inspiration. Read the missing element. Take meettheplanets.com. Come do tell tell me a story with me. And... After all said and done, you're going to have to get up tomorrow morning and brush your teeth. (laughs) Like this is the authentic, genuine, do I take care of myself? Am I actually authentic? Do I, that's what I was saying about the company. I want to lead as the leader with authenticity. So yes, I'm going to do the dishes and yes, I'm going to help with taking care of all these emails. And yes, I'm going to be the one doing the podcast. And you know, the difference between the leader who's doing it or the person who plays the game of life And the one who embodies it is a world of difference. So one thing I'm really interested these days is I did just have a child. And so when I'm reading this information, I'm thinking, okay, well, I can see how that trauma created this imbalance or what have you. And so many people only notice their imbalances when they are so far imbalanced that it's like painful in their life. And so I'm curious, is there a way to take this information and teach it to someone who's a little bit more pure, like a child or a teenager? Or do we have to wait for that imbalance for this to really start to affect our lives? Or can we be in a healthy place and still be making sure that we're balanced in all the ways? Another great question. And I worked for a year at a school. I lived in Vancouver, Canada, and I worked in a school where I had, it was so much fun. I pretended to the kids that I was Harry Potter's assistant and I was coming in to teach them magic. And I put all the kids in the four elements. So the little water kids were there and the air kids were here and the earth kids were there. And then I started telling them about the four elements. And then one of the little kids raised her hand. She said, you know what? When we got to our new house, my mom cried. And when we left the old house, she cried. Does that mean she's water? (laughs) And then another one said, my brother laughs so loud and he's always breaking things. Is that fire? It was like, yes. Like they learned it immediately. So yes, we have astrologers on my team. If you go to my website, that specialize in children. And one of the things I think is the most important thing is for parents to understand their kid at a young age. My son is only 10 weeks old as of yesterday and and I'm already we're already like trying to instill in him like 
what are you yelling about? Do you see spiritual being right now? Or, or like, are you, are you remembering your past life? Don't forget until you can talk and tell us all about it. <laughs> oh my God. She's talking to her 10 month year old about spiritual things, but I can ten week you, old, was, 10 week old, and sorry, 10 weeks that this kid came into parents knowing that he would be accepted. So you'll find out more, but astrology really does help. It's one of my, I mean, my kids have thanked me endlessly that I knew astrology and let them be who they are. Yeah, I wish I would have known more when I was younger because I had kind of rejected it. As I said, I'm like, all of this Taurus stuff seems like I'm supposed to be really stable. I don't know if that's me at all. But when I did get deeper into the chart and understand what a rising sign is and and just how the different things work together and it makes so much more sense when I'm not looking at it as, oh, astrology is telling me that I'm going to be exactly like everyone else born in May. <laughs> no, no. And you're people that have, like you are a Gemini. Your rising sign is very, very strong. And the rising sign, again, is the soul, different than the sun sign, which is the ego. And you operate out of your soul. And anyone that's an old soul or anyone that's been through a hardship, if they're willing to lift up and go to their observer and rise up the story and clean out their unconscious their rising sign becomes far more active than their sun sign. So you have these different viewpoints of the world, one coming from being an astrologer and then the other coming from being a psychotherapist. I mean, I guess they're kind of the same, but they seem different to most people. One seems very practical. The other seems very spiritual. How have having both of those sides of the coin influenced how you view the world or the human condition? You know, I think for so long... I wanted off planet. I didn't like it here. And I spent a lot of time as a young person saying, I want to go home. I want to go home and my secret self. And then one day I said to myself, excuse me, this is home. And by the way, it's a one-way ticket. So you're not going to get home. So shut up. And then once I committed to being here and I changed my narrative, there became a marriage between my spiritual self and my practical self. And I feel so much more grounded now. Well, thank you for all of the wisdom that your work has brought to us. I was expecting just to kind of flip through the book and I ended up reading most of it. So it was so much fun to read also and just relating my own life to the examples that you use in the book. So for listeners that are interested in learning more about you and how to work with you, where's the best place for them to connect with you online? Well, DebraSilbermanAstrology.com is my website. And for those of you, this is going to be out June 1st. If you today, right now go to meettheplanets.com, you can get in the class that's going on in June. So it's it's thank you, Melissa, for being time sensitive for us because it's, it's as a beginner, entrance level, or an advanced astrologer it has lots. You want to meet these 10 people, well, 10 planets. It is the centerpiece. This existence is really unbelievably connected, as we all know, to the moon, for example. The farmer's almanac has proven that the tides are directly related to the moon. We are almost all water. So when you learn about the 10 planets, you're going to find yourself much more comfortable in this experience. So that's the first step, meet the planets. Go to my website, DebraSilvermanAstrology.com, and you'll see the school starts in September. There's a wait list. Tell me a story. Tmoss.com is a great way to get if you're a writer or a journaler or you know that you've gotten numb. It's a class that's like a blow dryer. It melts the frozen ice and then starts. And that's just a wait list. The Meet the Planets is our platform for the moment. And tell me a story. Those are the three things. And you can come to my website and get, oh, and I do this thing called matchmaking. I love this part. I always sing matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. If you want me to hook you up to a good astrologer, I will look at your chart. And then I have some certified astrologers that I've trained and I will matchmake you. One last thing I want to ask is I keep hearing that we're at an especially energetic time when it comes to the planets right now. Like people are seeing that the reason that the world is so kind of disrupted or up in the air or unbalanced is because what's in the stars. So it's probably a really good time to find our own personal balance. What do you see in the stars at this time? It's astrologically certainly determined March 2020, there was a giant collision that happened between Uranus, Pluto, Mars, and Capricorn. Everybody was like screaming. That was when COVID arrived. We didn't know what it would be. And it continues now. It's not done, especially this week. Here we are in May, early May, and through the end of May and all the way to June. It's just not an easy time. So the astrological indicator is asking this question. Can you be a warrior of love? Can you hold your own? Can you be authentic? Can you find your power? Because we need you. We need you now more than ever as a highly awake being who's got their observer on. And that's 
you know, the, the cheapest, lowest hanging fruit is the book called The Missing Element that you can get on Amazon. So feel free to ask me for help. It's my favorite thing to help this planet wake up. All of the links from this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 184. I bet you can guess what your challenge for this week is. It's to find your own missing element. There is enough information in this episode alone that you should be able to find your missing element. However, if you want to go deeper, obviously go buy the book. It is such a good book. It has all five-star reviews and hundreds of reviews so far, and it's a new book. So I got to say it's a pretty good one. This episode provided so much clarity for me because... I have always been told I'm a Taurus, I'm grounded, stability is my strong suit, and that has just never been the case. I'm like, okay, I'm already an only child in life, and now I'm totally singled out on my sign. (laughs) But it does make sense that my rising sign is really strong, and that's Gemini, which is interesting because I remember learning about my sign way back in the day when I was a kid reading my horoscope. Before I really understood the depths of astrology, I thought all it was was just finding your sign. And for that reason, I thought it was pretty unlikely that it was real because how on earth would I have the same personality as every single person born in May? Well, when I understood what goes into an actual natal reading with the rising sign and your sun sign and moon sign, it all started to make a lot more sense. When I would read my horoscopes when I was younger, I would always read Taurus and Gemini. And I'm like, I'm surprised I'm not more on the cusp of Gemini because these horoscopes sound way more like me. Well, turns out I just have a really strong rising sign. And now with this new information about our elements and which elements are our strengths and which ones we're missing, it is all coming together. So maybe being grounded is my weak point. But when you really understand this, this is actually empowering. I think a lot of us end up using different types of personality tests and then we see which things are weaknesses in ourselves and we almost use that as an excuse or we use it as something that gets in the way of our success and we think this is just how I am and this is just how it's going to be. But what Deborah is trying to get across is that it's not that this is just how it has to be. It's that this is a part of our soul's work. Finding our imbalances and bringing them back into balance is what we came here to do. We're here to understand how to optimally use our own energy so that we can be of greatest service to the planet and to ourselves, to what our soul came here for. So I'd love to know what you found was your missing element. You can reach out to me on Instagram, mindlovemelissa, and let me know. And if you love this episode, please take a screenshot, maybe even add an emoji of your element and share it on social media. Tag Mind Love Melissa and Mind Love Podcast. For anyone who has shared the show, I love you. I appreciate you. I see those of you that do it often and I try to reshare or send you a little note. And for those of you who have taken the time to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, thank you, thank you, thank you. Those totally light up my world and it's such a great way for me to hear how you guys feel, to hear how the show is impacting you, which is super motivating. If you don't yet know about Mind Love Premium, you can go to mindlove.com slash premium. You get extra episodes, monthly meditations, and other bonuses. And the last way to support Mind Love, if you love it, is to support my sponsors. I absolutely love all my sponsors. They're really great products and services that I personally use. And it's a win-win because you get stuff and my sponsors want to sponsor me for longer. (laughs) So as always, thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week.